How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Jules Von Hepp. Hello, I'm Sarah Powell. And welcome to Wobble, a podcast about happiness and body confidence. Because we all wobble. This episode of Wobble is with feminist, activist and all-round period goddess Gabby Edlin. Gabby is the founder of Bloody Good Period, which provides sanitary products to refugees and to asylum seekers. And Gabby campaigns around all kinds of issues surrounding periods and period poverty. And if you are someone who feels passionate about a certain cause, or maybe you even want to start your own campaign, you will absolutely love this chat, um, which does start with us talking about our chin hairs. So do enjoy. About chin hairs, they come out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not there, and, and they're thick and dark. Yeah, and then yeah. suddenly they're two inches yeah. long. And I have one in the middle of this cheek and one in the middle of this oh. cheek on either side. Dimples. And then they're not now. <laughs> We're all going through the same thing <laughs> here. Are. Look, I want to. This, I mean, there's so many things that I want to talk to you about. How old is Bloody Good Period now? It's two, two years exactly. old. Exactly. Is it today? Well, not today, <laughs> but like this yeah. month. For those who don't know, what is it? So we are a charitable organisation and we give period supplies to asylum seekers and refugees. And that's all done through like drop-in centres, food banks, that kind of thing. Places that people are already going to, but pads just weren't available on a regular basis. And, you know, it turns out that periods are every month. um, So you need those those products every month without fail, not just one big dump, you know, sometimes. It's such a tiny little part of asylum seekers' experience but mm. it's just one less thing to worry about. We've all been out and about and yeah. got our period or realised that you haven't yeah. got a tampon with you. Yeah. And in that moment, it's all you can think about. Yeah. You can't do another physical thing yeah. until you've sorted that yeah. out. Yeah. You started going to drop-in centre and they weren't giving out yeah. sanitary products. Yeah, so I started volunteering at one and I asked if they were going to be giving them out. And and the response was like, you know, it was a really lovely person who told me, but she was basically like, yeah, we give them out, but like only really in an emergency. And I was like, it's always an emergency. Emergency. Yeah. Like you said, like it's all you can think about. Like if you don't have the stuff that you need, you freak out. Yeah. And so going through that every single month, I mean, what will that do for your anxiety? What will that do for your mental health and your physical health? Because yeah. was yours a homeless shelter? No, so it was asylum seeker. Right. Yeah. So that's somebody who has fled their country um, or, you know, homeland because of trauma and can't stay in their country anymore. Yeah. Possibly people who've been sex trafficked. And so it's their legal right. They come to whichever country they can get to. And in the UK they are asylum 
opportunity because when they put their claim forward basically and that can last up to like 15 years it's insane and they get 37 pounds a week to live on and that is it they're not allowed to work they're not even really allowed to volunteer most of them so a lot of them are homeless it's amazing isn't it because i i had no idea asylum seekers couldn't work yeah it's complicated yeah of course um and it took me a while to sort of actually get my head around like actually like okay so then you become a refugee once you've been granted status you become a refugee and you are allowed to work when you're a refugee you're expected to work yeah but actually if you've been seeking asylum for like 10 years a repeated claim you know you haven't got work experience for 10 years so you're going to find it really difficult to find work and also so many of the people that we work with have just got such traumatic backgrounds and their mental health is just to the point where they can't work yeah it's it's bloody tough like it really is so you're volunteering yeah you're working at the drop-in yeah you're sort of giving out food and 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 the kind of essentials if you like yeah exactly and so when you asked and they said well we only give them out in an emergency what was your response so it was over email so I sent it and I got that back and I was just like that was like just this moment of like clarity where I was like a woman might ask you for it one time yeah in an emergency but like she's not going to ask second third fourth time because that is what a period is like it's not like a a plaster where you cut your finger and then oh shit we need a bandage yeah it's over and over and over so I was like right we need to put this into place where there's no sort of judgment with this no one has to ask yes because that is embarrassing to have to go and ask someone for your pads it's not nice no one wants to do that no um so I wanted to make them available yeah basically and and obvious and so like even the first time so when I responded to the emergency comment and I was like look I'm gonna try and do something about this and I put a status on Facebook and just I thought I thought like no one would care I thought I was gonna get a few packs of pads but they just came in like a flood yes like an actual (laughs) unintended flood into my flat then when we had the first lot I brought them to the drop-in centre and the lovely women who were sort of a bit more experienced in doing the drop-in centre said we're just gonna pop them under the table we'll just give them out you know as and when and I was just like no way no 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 because people won't ask yeah of course they will be shy so I put them all on the table from then on I took over the period table basically Um, and now we've extended to 16 other drop-in centres and we make a real point of being like please make them available be generous with them I think it's a really good point that people don't ask that had never occurred to me before what's really interesting is that bloody good period started as something that you were doing you were just a volunteer you were on your own this was kind of your thing that you did alongside work wasn't it and this is like you're volunteering how did you do it once a week something like that so the drop-in was once a month but I was basically like every single night was like unpacking boxes yeah so I was doing it every day yeah and because it grew so quickly people were sending things from like because it was an Amazon wish list yeah all over the world and like responding to notes a lot of things happen when you do something like that and everyone has advice yes and so dealing with that and honestly for a good six months I don't think I actually had a volunteer because I didn't know how to ask I didn't think people really cared yeah and not in like a I'm the only one who cares about this stuff but more in the way that like I don't want to make anyone you know I don't want to make anyone help me yeah um so I was literally lifting the boxes myself like every month had this storage locker like it was very intense when did you you kind of create it into officially bloody good period that was quite quick right so because I've got like a design sort of brandingy design creativity social change yes sure you know that all of it Um, all of that background it was quite quick because I knew what to do and I'd done a masters at St Martin's a couple of years before it was about like design to social change basically so I had it in my head how it would go I just whipped up this logo it was terrible (laughs) oh it was all so bad like 
was all like I say I'm a designer I'm not a very good designer because <laughs> I can do it doesn't mean I should I, I came up with a name I was on the toilet yeah and it just was like oh bloody good period of course yes. I think it was even just bloody good at first and I was like no we actually we need to say period it was really quick I think it was that was after like a, a week or so so you made it kind of an official thing because it could have yeah. this could easily just be you two years on still going to yeah. drop in centre yeah. and giving out yeah. the pads to those people who need them yeah so actually did you know that you wanted it to be a yeah. bigger thing yeah. yeah I did and um I started saying it out loud to people and people great yeah that's a, yeah, that because that's a, I was like oh I just think I might uh, make an organization about periods there were men who encouraged it yes but um there were a good few men who were like I I just think if it was a thing, it would have been done already. Wow. Or I just don't think, you know, a charity is a lot of work or like, and I was like, I know it's a lot of work because I'm doing it. But most people I spoke to started to be like, oh yeah, like why has this not been done already? Or why has it not been done in the capacity that it has? Like, because there were women doing it around the world, like a little bit at a time doing like little drives or yeah. collections or whatever. But the thing that it struck me, like being in the drop-in centre was that we have to have this every month. Otherwise people won't trust us. Yes, yeah. And that was the thing that I realised, like, really quickly. We can't just do this one big collection and then they're expected to be, like, grateful and that you've got pads for, what, two months? So we were like, right, we're not going to promise anything to anybody until we know we've got a year of supplies. Yes. So that's why we're still growing really slowly. That is the main part of it. Like, these are people that you're, like, working with and they're just people like the rest of us and they are also people who have been let down numerous times. Doesn't matter who they are. Could be the Home Office, could be lawyers could be detention centers and for us to come in and be like here's some pads and then not be there again yeah like it's just another person letting them down so i was really determined that we would not do that yeah that would be the most important thing and that we'd be like generous about it and be like you get to say how much you need we don't you know dole stuff out we don't give single pads or anything like that it's no. like good quality packs yes of pads let's talk about how it's widened out to kind of this wider period of poverty yeah. which i think it, I mean, it must have been something that you didn't expect yeah, we didn't start the movement. Like the movement was growing already. Um, I'd read an article by Maya Oppenheim in Vice, who had written about like the homeless period, and that's what had got in my head in the first place. I just realised that there wasn't anything specific for asylum seekers and refugees. Yeah, and also they didn't within the movement. What I could see was that a lot of it seemed to be quiet, and oh, we're just going to do this really quietly. And I was yeah. like, no, like it's too late to be quiet. We have to make a noise. We have to be annoying about. About this we have to make people listen that is how I think the movement grew it just stopped being about you know let's just sort of quietly get this sorted which I think some of the organizations were maybe doing I felt really strongly that we had to make something that wasn't about us bestowing dignity and all these words yes. and, and also I really wanted it to become something that wasn't about ugh, I'm using inverted commas like tackling shame and stigma yeah. because you can't tackle shame and stigma if you're talking about tackling shame and stigma you've actually just got to go and do it yeah we just had to jump in and be like we're not going to be an organisation that talks about tackling shame. We're going to be the organisation that actually is just doing it yeah. and talking about periods. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. It's really interesting because there's been this whole sort of lexicon and this whole discussion around periods for a long time. They've been very private. They've been very quiet. It's been don't really talk about it. And I feel like what you have done is taken it, put it in literally massive, big black and white letters Mm -hmm. and gone, it's okay. You can have a period and you can talk about it and it's all right. And I think what's interesting is that a lot of men are running with that because it's not, if you are a person, chances are you know someone who menstruates. That's a fact. I'm going to give it a go. Do you know what I mean? You, You work with, but you're right there has been this huge shame mm. over and and uh, I want to keep saying privacy because it's all kind of been a yeah. very whispered and very yeah. quiet thing yeah. so I mean how how have you been able to do that do you think has it just literally been saying it and and keeping on at it and keeping visible I think so I think it's like a confidence thing yeah so it just doesn't embarrass me it really I don't know if it's because like I'm a family from a family of girls I've got three sisters went to an all-girls school me and my friends are very open about this kind of thing I mean not to the point of like you know ridiculousness but I just I was just like I'm not embarrassed about this yeah I'm not saying that I don't think anyone else should be because everyone has their right to their sort of levels and boundaries of what they feel is appropriate and actually I don't normally talk about my own period that much because I don't think anyone actually wants to know about my personal period yes but it just aggravated me or pissed me off so hard that we'd got to the point where that secrecy and privacy meant that there were girls and young people living in period poverty yeah that was the thing that pissed me off the most it was like well people buy toilet paper because it is seen as an essential yes but the fact of the matter is is that period supplies are not seen as essential yeah and that shame and secrecy was adding to that. Yeah. It was helping that. Because I don't think a lot of people will know quite the extent of period poverty. Yeah. Because it's it's girls not going to school, yeah. isn't it? Because they can't afford yeah. tampons and pads. And it yeah. is... Because you must have seen kind of the level that it yeah. has reached. And yeah. what's kind of been the most surprising bit for you? The thing... Because we work with mostly women, actually, not not girls, because they're asylum because they're usually adult. Yeah. And we know that people are just staying in their house. It's not like... Or just you know, shove a sock in there even. It is literally, people are just not leaving their houses because they can't and they yeah. feel that they can't. I actually spoke to a woman on Sunday about it and I was saying to her that we often get journalists and documentary makers saying, can we interview some of the women who are living in period poverty? And I always say, no, 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 no. These are really vulnerable women. And then I suddenly was like, oh God, what if I'm like not allowing women to speak on, you know, on their own behalf? And so I started to like interview some of the women that we work with. And actually what they said to me was even just thinking about a period triggers a lot of trauma because of you know it's not just as simple as just once you didn't have a pad it's a constant thing you know it's related to so many other things if you're going through a really difficult time your period might be a bit heavier or irregular it might be tied up with pregnancy or lack thereof and these women were telling me like it's not just saying oh you haven't got any pads it's it's so much more than that for them um and that's why we're really protective over them but also that is what people need to understand the impact of of not having the products is 
Yeah. Also, I mean, the term period poverty is almost, it's misleading. We use it. I'm not criticising. Like, yeah. It's misleading because it, the whole issue is not just about those girls who aren't going to school or people who can't afford pads. There's this movement called menstrual equity, which I really like subscribe to. It's by this New York lawyer called Jennifer Weiss-Wolf, who's wrote this amazing book called Periods Gone Public. And she basically talks about that we need to like be pushing for menstrual equity, not to end period poverty. Because menstrual equity then includes absolutely anyone who is affected by periods. So that's like women who were getting... The woman got fired at, at work um, in America because she bled on her seat. Oh, my God. She wasn't allowed to go for a break. And so she, she leaked on her seat and she was fired for being unhygienic. <gasps> And like that, you know, she was a working woman. Yeah. There's nothing to do with poverty. Yes, yes. Or like, we, you know, you hear about like women working in the factories who aren't allowed to go and change their pads. They don't have breaks, you know, often enough to change their pads. Or, you know, schoolgirls being putting their hand up and asking to go to the toilet and teachers being like, no. Yeah. And a girl, I think last week, like bled and leaked onto her seat because she wasn't allowed to go. I mean, that is not period poverty. Yes. But that is a hundred issues around periods that still aren't solved. Because it does seem still to be coming back to this point of oh don't say it do you know what I mean yeah. don't say it out loud or yeah. don't tell anyone yeah and, exactly but, and, and everybody's got a responsibility around yeah. that it's not just women and it's no. not just people who menstruate everybody's got a responsibility to go oh you're on your period oh right I hear you yeah you yeah. know do you need anything yeah. or, or, or whatever do you know what I mean yeah. but just everybody should be allowed to say it and to yeah. talk about it yeah. and I think I feel like the amazing thing about Bloody Good Period is you really started that and we are at the beginning of it do you know what I mean yeah. this is a big ship to turn round yeah. for everyone do you know what I mean because it's been a certain way for a long time yeah. I really wanted to talk to you about because I know there'll be people listening to Wobble who do volunteering or who don't who really want to and I feel like a lot of people would love to give something back and a lot mm-hmm. but, but it's hard to know where to start yeah. I think for a lot of people first of all yeah what's the be- if you really want to do something or if there's an area like you did that you feel really passionately about mm-hmm. what's the first thing you can do so do some research that's the thing to do so even if, you know if it's something to do with periods if it's i don't know you want to do some sort of breast cancer awareness or you want to do something about refugees or anything like that look at what's there it's likely that there will be something there, you know, whether it's like volunteering with help refugees or whether it's that a charity has made it possible for you to do a collection. Start small. Yes. Do your research and start small, basically. Don't try and start an organisation overnight. That's not what I did and, it, and that's not what anyone should do. But it's got to be something that you really care about and that really pisses you off, basically. Yeah. Like, keeps <laughs> yeah. you up at night because you're like, how is this a thing? Yeah. Look on, like, volunteer websites. Like, there's loads of them. I mean, I was doing volunteering long before bloody good period it's not the first thing I've done and I was doing like activism and and stuff like that you know that wasn't the start of my journey I've been doing it for years and years and it does give you experience and it is good to do it with somebody else normally isn't it I think because I I suppose then like you did you started volunteering somewhere and at the drop-in centre you saw the gap didn't you because you saw what was happening already yeah so there wasn't you know, you, you you knew what was already out yeah. there and then you could go, oh, and it'd be great to have this as yeah, well, exactly, actually, on yeah. top of it. Because we should say, you've gone full-time now, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, as you've, of Monday. Which is amazing. Yeah. So two years on, <laughs> yeah. this is your full-time job yeah. now. And yeah. can I ask, are you getting paid from this? I am. Which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, because that is a dream for a lot of people as well yeah. who'll be listening, who think, God, I really love my charity work or I feel really passionately about this issue, yeah. but I don't know how I would ever leave my job to be able yeah. to do it. So what's what's kind of enabled you 
to be able to go, okay, I can commit to this full time. So you've got to get people around you who believe in you and believe not just in, in the things you're doing, but you. Yeah. And you have to show people why you have to be doing it, basically. Yeah. And that sounds a little bit like egotistical, but like that's sort of the only way to, to be actually doing it. But also you have to gather people around you who care about the thing. Yeah. And that is what's happened. We've got so many volunteers because people just care about this. And if people don't care, make them care. Yes. Find a way to make people care. Like identify with, it's quite rare apparently that we have like a very young volunteer base. Everyone's pretty much like under 40. Right. The way that we got people our age to care was talk to people in a way that you do talk to your friends. Our sort of marketing, I say our, it was when it was just me. Like, so it was really early on, but it wasn't like these poor women. Yes. It was actually like, we know you care. We know you're as outraged as we are. Yeah. Like, let's do something about it together. Yeah. It sounds sort of vague, but that's the way to make people care is to to know who you're talking to and to not worry about talking to everybody. Yes. Because you can't. Our website, for example, is not for a 60-year-old man, but it is for, you know, a young woman. Yeah. Or even like a, a young non-binary person or trans person because we are so committed to being trans-inclusive yeah. that we don't have gendered language on our website specifically. I think it's a huge issue. I think there's a huge issue around language. There's a huge issue around feminism. And I feel like just because you subscribe to feminism, it doesn't mean we all agree. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We don't all yeah. agree about the kind of language yeah. and the stance and the viewpoint. Yeah. You know, ultimately, we probably all want similar things. Yeah. But I feel like it's it would be a shame if that was a reason to, to not do something. Yeah. Because, like, you've been really upfront. You've had a lot of crap haven't you you know yeah. for, from from what you've been trying to do from various groups and, and people and individuals as well who are quite affronted with yeah. either the language that you've used or just generally what you're kind of striving for yeah. because it's change yeah. and I feel like change always makes people uncomfortable on yeah. any level people don't really like it and especially yeah. if it's something that they've felt a lot of shame around or they've grown up with with a certain like this is how you treat periods this is how you think about them yeah. this is how you talk about them and then suddenly you're like well no actually what if we do it this way yeah. somebody's always going to get upset yeah. aren't yeah. they um i love what you were saying earlier when you first started it and you were like, oh, I think I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to start this organisation. Yeah. And a lot of people said to you, oh, there's probably something already. Yeah. Or, well, it's a lot of work. Yeah. For anyone listening who wants to start out anything, they want yeah. to start an organisation or a business or just a project. Yeah. What would you say to them if they were getting those kinds of comments? Because it's easy. I've, I've been guilty of it. Yeah. I've told somebody about something and they've gone, well, you can't really make any money. Yeah. And I've gone, oh, okay, then, well, I won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. So, so what's your advice I there? mean, you've got to learn to trust your gut yeah I can't express that enough because there isn't a right answer you know maybe it wouldn't work maybe it will like they don't know that's just their opinion yeah but if you feel strongly that this is something that you can do and that you should do then fucking do it like they're not right any more than they might be wrong and if you feel that you can do it like give it a go if it goes to shit so what I've done so many things leading up to this that have not gone right you know, I'd started a jewellery business and then I did a greetings card business. I did wedding invitations. I've done loads of really like, I tried to do this whole like thing after Brexit that was called like Love Our Neighbours. I think I've still got the website. But <laughs> yeah. like it, it it was shit. Yeah. You know, but that was how I got to where I am now. Yeah. Try things out. If it goes wrong, it doesn't matter. You've not lost anything really. Yeah. I would say don't put money in these things. <laughs> That's what I would say. Um, try and do this without putting any money 
money into something because actually we live in a world now where so much of the stuff you need is free. Mm. Advertising, marketing, all of this. Get friends involved. Just put call outs on Twitter. It is hard work doing this, but it is worth it. Yeah. There's also a vulnerability, isn't there? Because yeah. if you're asking for something, it must be that you believe in the bigger picture. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the the um, the cause is yeah. greater than your moment of embarrassment, I yeah. suppose. But I've always been amazed, and I'm sure you were when you first asked for pads and sanitary stuff. People are amazing. Yeah. People really want to help. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I feel like if you're being genuine, if you're one of those people who asks for something every 10 minutes from people yeah. on Facebook, yeah, okay, it's going to be hard. But I feel like if you've got one thing that you're like, I believe in this, this is why yeah. I'm doing it, It's and you're authentic with it, I, th- I just, I'm always amazed how yeah. incredible people are. People are amazing. That is the thing that has kept me going, like from the first, the first post that I did. I think it makes a difference that we didn't ask for money. Yeah. And we actually still don't often ask for, we very rarely, I think, if at all ask for money. We ask for products. And so people like to be able to send things that they know, I'm sending pads, that's going into someone's knickers. Yes. Nothing else. Nothing else is going to happen along the way. Yes. You do have to pay people. Yeah. Because we can't work for free. You can't pour from an empty glass and you can't do this properly unless there are people whose time is being valued in a monetary sense. Yes. We've all got to pay rent. Yeah. But... There is something I think that people really identify with with sending products. Yeah. And that does, that's not all we're about. We're about campaigning and activism as well. But the product is the sort of, that shows you how great people are. Yeah. And the notes that we get. Oh my God. <laughs> like that's what keeps me going. Mm. Like regardless. Or when people send us like messages. We got When we did Bloody Funny, our comedy night the other night, someone just sent the most gorgeous email afterwards just saying like how she felt like being in a feminist, funny feminist environment and how much she like identified with bloody good period and the cause and that meant everything to me i think that's what it is yeah. people are fucking brilliant yeah and people care and just because someone might not be able to afford to send a hundred pounds to a charity every week doesn't mean they haven't got something else to offer yeah and that's what we appreciate so much about our volunteers that they give their time and they give their like muscles you know carrying stuff and oh I could, I could get weepy and yes. emotional about yes. this, how brilliant people are. Yeah. Um, Gabby, it's been an absolute oh, joy. I could keep you here all afternoon. We could get a <laughs> drinks trolley. Um, we always ask everyone who comes on Wobble, if you wobble, what's the thing that makes you wobble? I was going to say relationships and, and, and boys and, and or girls. I was wobbling about that, but I've just come to the conclusion that I'm just going to be on my own for a bit. Okay. And it feels really lovely. So I had a, you know, I had a wobbly breakup last year and that took a long time to get through. And actually, I'm finally at the stage where I'm like, I'm actually really happy enjoying my own company and these things will come to me when I'm ready for them. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm in the right place then I'll put myself in that area. Right now, I'm just sort of romantically involved with uh, menstrual products, <laughs> which I'm really happy with. I'm, I'm quite happy with that right now. Awesome. Yeah. Gabby, thank you so much for being on Wobble. Thank you. If oh. people want to get involved, if they want to help, yeah. where do they go? Bloodygoodperiod.com. Okay. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, bloodygoodperiod. There's loads of ways you can get involved, but just head to the website and yeah. that's where you'll find it all. Gabby, thank you so much for being thank on Wobble. You. I love how passionate Gabby is and I think that actually her passion is quite infectious and I think we all have a calling. You know, we all have something that really fires us up and for me, 
It's about people being kinder to themselves and for jewels. It's about people really loving their bodies and really feeling comfortable in their skin. So whatever it is that you feel strongly about, I do hope that that has helped to inspire you a little bit. Um, this is the third series of Wobble and there is a whole back catalogue of episodes with amazing people just like Gabby. So do go back and if you've already listened, we always say go back and listen again because there'll be something else that you pick up on, something else that you kind of, um, that means something to you now. And if you're into it, why not like, subscribe? That would be absolutely wonderful. Um, and we will see you very soon for another excellent guest on Wobble. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.